Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Monday, December 16th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the Joint Legislative Budget Committee begins plans for the 2020 session. Then, Entergy announces a new substation in Madison County. And after bite-sized tech, it's red kettle season. Find out how your donation helps the Salvation Army during the holidays and all year long. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Members of the Joint Legislative Budget Committee have presented budget recommendations for the 2020 session. Salary increases for teachers are a possibility. But as House Speaker Philip Gunn tells our Desiree Frazier, it's too soon to pin anything down. Well, obviously we have an extended session this time, extra 30 days. So that gives us a little extra time, a little closer to the beginning of the fiscal year to make more solid decisions. We'll see what transpires. I mean, we're, what, four months away from that? So uh, I think we're in great shape to do a variety of things. It gives us a lot of versatility, and we'll be able to make decisions as time rolls on. Do you have any priorities? Anything that you have that you really like to see allocated for? I think we will make those decisions as a group as we move along to discuss what those priorities will be. Absolutely. Always a possibility. Uh, You know, we try to do as much as we can for as many needs as we can. Uh, We have made teacher pay a priority over the last eight years. Uh, We did about, what, $2,500 three or four years ago. We did $1,500 last year. They got the step raises. You know, a teacher over the last eight years should be making $8,000 more, $1,000 a year more than they were eight years ago. Um, but we're not done as far as what that amount will be. There's no, no decision yet on that. Again, that, that's about four months off. We'll have to see how the, the um, revenues unfold. They're looking pretty good this year so far. I got a report yesterday. I think we're $35 million over for the month and uh, 131 maybe for the year. So that's pretty good. So we certainly would support such a thing. We just had to see what the dollars are, like we do every year, see what the dollars are before we can make those final decisions. Uh, more on infrastructure, you know, we always we always talk about that. I think the plan we passed last year did a great deal toward addressing infrastructure. 
I think that's a solid plan. It's going to result in a significant amount of dollars going to roads and bridges. A lot of people want to see how that unfolds and what that looks like. Medicaid uh, expansion, there hasn't been an appetite for that, but the Mississippi Hospital Association is looking at Medicaid reform and will be presenting that to the body. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, they have met with me and presented their plan. I told them, we'd, again, like every other thing, we'd be willing to listen to any ideas. Uh, we've made no commitments to do anything like that, but uh, certainly have their plan in front of us, and we'll entertain that as the session unfolds. Uh, we'll have to form committees. I don't even know what my committees look like yet. You know, I'm, my members are still returning in their... We do preference sheets. I don't know if they do that in the Senate or not, but we have them fill out a form that shows us where they want to serve, and I don't even have all those back yet. So I don't even know what my health committee looks like yet. So it'll be a while before we're able to entertain anything like that. Philip Gunn, a Republican from Clinton, serves as the Speaker of the House. Outgoing Senator Willie Simmons is pleased that the recommendations include unallocated funds for the new legislature to work with. Here he is with MPB's Desiree Frazier. Well, to look at that budget, there was two things that got my attention on it. One was that we did increase funding for education, the adequate education program. And secondly, we funded agencies at their level funding from last year, except for pens that had not been filled. That was uh, good news to see and hear. Uh, and then to look at the unallocated funds, $1.2 billion in unallocated funds, which means that the legislators in January are going to have an opportunity to take a look at $1.2 billion and take a portion of that and add to what we have done here as a budget. That puts us in a very good position to be able to do a lot of good things uh, for state government in the state of Mississippi. So I'm very impressed. Uh, and there are many other needs that we have that these dollars can be used for. So to be in my last meeting on the Budget Committee and to have those kind of reserves that we can send to the members of the legislative body to take care of the state of Mississippi and give support to the new position that I'm going to be in as Commissioner of Transportation, I'm very proud and honored. It's been tough uh, the past eight years. There have been a lot of cuts. Your thoughts about what it took to get to this point? It has taken some uh, tough decisions. Um, Many that I have agreed with and many that I have not agreed with. But at the end of the day, uh, even after removing the inventory tax and removing the franchise tax and being able to increase uh, adequate uh, funding for adequate education and being able to level fund and to have these dollars, it means that the economy is treating Mississippi well and that we are growing not as fast as we would like. But it means that we've done some things right. And I think the new leadership and the new legislature uh, is going to be in a position to help continue that and to be supportive of programs that may not have been given the attention and or the resources they needed in the past. Democrat Willie Simmons is the member-elect of the Mississippi Transportation Commission for the Central District. Coming up, a new energy substation hopes to bring more economic development to Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. One night this spring, a cybersecurity researcher stumbled upon a data set. It was from facial recognition cameras in Beijing. And as we started digging deeper into it, we realized people were 
effectively being watched. We had latitude and longitude for cameras, we had identity cards. How mass surveillance became part of the fabric of life in China this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Entergy Mississippi is investing $57 million in a project to attract economic development and improve reliability. Entergy's Ed Gardner Jr. tells our Michael Guidry that the company is excited about the new substation and the opportunities it can attract. We're excited about that. It's a, we've recently announced the, the Mississippi Public Service Commission approved a new $57 million substation. Um, that will go into the Madison Mega Site, which is an industrial park or future industrial park located near the Nissan plant in Madison County. And um, this will serve not only uh, to uh, help with reliability in the area, it's one of our fastest growing parts of our service territory, but it also provides some tremendous opportunities for new economic development activity, which would be new jobs and new capital investment for the area as well. So in layman terms, what is a substation? What, what does it provide, both the local area and the general state of Mississippi? Sure, and uh, I will remind you, I'm not an engineer, but um, it basically takes the elect- electricity that's generated, our power sources, transmits that over these large transmission lines, and then it steps it down into a substation where customers can take electricity. Um, this uh, site and the substation will actually have three separate transmission lines from three separate sources coming into it. What kind of economic development research was done to determine that this would be an ideal place to set up the substation to be able to attract large and small businesses alike? Sure. Um, you know, first part of that is, of course, our transmission part of our business has looked at this for many years as well. And so, yes, it's a great business location, but also it does serve to uh, assist with some upgrades in the area for future growth. Um, but the Madison County Economic Development Authority uh, looked at this property for uh, at least the last 10 years. This is something that we've done um, all the due diligence on. So it's been in process for many years, but we've uh, supported the environmental studies, the geotechnical studies. Um, everything has been looked at on the site. So the only thing uh, really the missing piece was going to be the electrical that we had to move forward with. You know, someone may be listening in north, northeast Mississippi or listening on the coast and says, okay, well, energy is – they're announcing and they're committed to the substation in Madison County. How does that help me? First of all, this is a unique – this will be a unique site. Um, I was mentioning earlier, but there are three different transmission fees that will serve this site. And then from day one, we'll have 80 megawatts um, available and with the potential to even go larger than that. Um, this could be – a facility or facilities locate here that could provide high-paying jobs that could draw workforce from 60 miles up to 100 miles. And so there is a regional draw. It will also help the state of Mississippi because anytime we have um, sophisticated, larger employers that come in, there's a supply chain behind that. So if you look at, um, once again, on the automotive sector, because that's so close by and we're so familiar with that, um, even though the, the five or 6,000 jobs at the Nissan plant and the several thousand at Toyota, there are tens of thousands beyond that uh, throughout the state of Mississippi because of those locations. And so I'm not saying that will definitely happen here, but it's certainly an opportunity. It's one of the reasons that we look at that and one of the reasons Madison County is looking at it. You mentioned the substation attracting large corporations, large projects. Uh, what type of manufacturing do you hope that this project will attract? So typically, um, advanced manufacturing in general will need the critical reliability and large um, electricity users um, and 
in general, but those can be automotive, certainly. Um, you know, it could be the next generation of automotive suppliers, whether that be in electric, whether it be something related to autonomous, um, but it could also be in other industries. It could be aerospace. Um, the vast majority of aerospace projects don't have to have a runway because it's only when you build the airplane do you need that. Um, but data centers is one, so tech-based industries. Um, data centers require a ton of electricity, and they have to be highly, highly reliable. So that is something I think unique that we can now go after that, quite frankly, we really didn't have the sites um, or the infrastructure to go after before. All right, we've been with Ed Gardner, Jr., the Director, Business and Economic Development for Intergy Mississippi. We thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Great to be here. Coming up after Bite Size Tech, it's Red Kettle season. Find out how your donations help the Salvation Army during the holidays and all year long. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Welcome to this week's Bite Size Tech. I'm Jay White. How often do you receive robocalls? For the average Mississippian, the number of these cantankerous cold calls that find their way into your hand can vary from just a few a week to a rage-inducing several per day. Jerry from Ashland tells us of the three-pronged tactic he uses to turn away the torrent of tasteless telephone tripe in this week's Bite Size Tech. I realize that this is a problem, and it's kind of like playing whack-a-mole, right? Right. Amen. Uh, that's, that's, that's probably the best yeah. analogy, definitely. So what I do is I don't give out my phone number. If I have to fill, you know, you get those autofill forms and watch your phone number online or whatever, I put in my area code 555-1212 and let it roll. Because they don't need to call me. I don't need to give them my phone number to buy something online. They just That's just too bad. And that cuts down a lot of it. The second one is I have an app called Hiya, H-I-Y-A. And that, the thing about high is if a robocall gets through to you, you have the opportunity to market a spam and put a little note there, why it's spam or a robocall, whatever. And then everybody else who uses this app will have that phone number blocked from there on out. So it's like crowdsourcing to block these bozos for a robocall. Excellent. And it has been very, very, very effective for me. I've, I've gone from you know several robocalls a day down to almost none a week. And the third thing I do is I used to be a DJ. And if somebody gets through to me and it's a person, I say, hello, you're live on the air at WVBS.Also. What can I do for you? <laughs> and, well, you're on the radio. What do you have to say to us? And then that does two things. One, it kind of embarrasses them. And two, they'll say, well, this is not a real person's number. It's a business number. And, and there you go. So doing all those three things for me has really <laughs> cut down on the problem. That's some great advice. And, and like you, I kind of do the uh, the false number, but I, I kind of go a little bit more old school with it. Mine is more 867-539. Yes. That's the first <laughs> thing I thought of. Yeah. Poor Jenny. And I'm going to be for a, anybody's area code. That number is torched. It's burned forever. Oh, yeah. But, you know, he brings up a great point about whenever you are registering for different things, and that kind of goes back to something, Jeremy, and I've mentioned this many times before, too, and that is the free app Google Voice. One thing that I did is you know, a while back, whenever I was starting to write my books and kind of putting myself out there, I did, you know, of course, I wanted to be people to be able to contact me, but I didn't want to give up my personal phone number. So yeah. what I did is I went into Google Voice, uh, free service from Google, got another number so they can give you a number in your area. And you get some online controls with that to where you can kind of redirect. It's been a lot easier to filter. So I can give out that particular number. You never actually get my real cell phone number. But depending on the rules that I set up, I can forward those calls over. I can actually have 
Google Voice intercept them and let me know, and then I can go back in and check them, things like that. So it may be a nice way of putting yeah, a filter in there. It's super easy to sign up for a number in Google Voice and have a an, an actual number assigned to you from whatever area code you want. You could be in this certain place, but sign up to get a number in an area code basically from anywhere. Right, right. Is that how some of these robocallers spoof these numbers over and over and over again in different ways? Are they using Google Voice or, I guess, maybe like uh, no. services that are similar to that? They would use things that are similar to that. Uh, Google, from everything that I've ever read on it, they're very aggressive at watching. Uh, you can't really make mass phone calls with their system. It is really meant for that one-on-one. Ah. Uh, so they do try to protect that. It, it, it's just like way back in the day, Gmail used to be used very heavily for mass spamming, and they've put protections in place that you cannot send a massive amount out. It just ways to kind of knock that down. So uh, Google Voice did originally, I think, go through some of those headaches, but they've, they've definitely matured on the other side of it. For more conversation like this, or to have your personal tech problems addressed, listen to MPB's Everyday Tech. The show is now on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and TuneIn. Visit the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash MPB Everyday Tech. And of course, listen weekdays at 10 a.m. right here on MPB Think Radio. What are the top 10 ways to listen to MPB Think Radio? Number 10, the iHeartRadio app. Number 9, TuneIn Radio. Number 8, Amazon Alexa. Number 7, Google Home. Number 6, Deezer. What's a Deezer? Number 5, Spotify. Number 4, Stitcher. Number 3, YouTube. To listen to a radio station? Yeah, all the kids do that now. Number 2, Apple. And the number one way to listen to MPB Think Radio? The MPB Public Media app. Free in the iTunes and Google Play Store. What about just over the radio in the car? Yeah, you can do that too. For that drive you've got coming up for the holidays, listen to MPB all around the state of Mississippi. Going out of state? The MPB Public Media app will keep you connected to home. For that flight in your future, download podcasts of MPB local shows and listen anytime, anywhere. MPB Think Radio. Spend the holidays with us. Happy Holidays from Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. As you may have noticed, it's red kettle season. The Salvation Army uses this holiday donation drive to fund all of its programming during the year. But as Michelle Hartfield tells MPB's Kobe Vance, they have only reached 37% of their $166,000 goal. Our two biggest goals, um, which obviously holiday season is the biggest time of the year for us. So our two biggest goals are to get, you know, all of our angels adopted for Angel Tree and then to have a good return on kettles. Um, the, The red kettles actually fund all of our programs for as long as we can make them the next calendar year. So it's very important that we get a good return on those kettles. And with the kettles, how much have y'all raised this year currently? Um, they are still counting yesterday's intake. So I have the total as of Wednesday is $166,261.92. And our goal is 450000 So we're right at like 37%. And what is it going to take to get that extra 63%? 63%. Yeah. Um, I, I just 
really kind of putting this call out. I know it's getting hard, and it's not just in Jackson. It's nationwide. People aren't carrying cash anymore, um, and, you know, people are busy. Um, But just trying to make the public understand or or help the public understand that that this – you know, even if it's just a dollar, even if it's just a spare quarter, it all does add up if everyone's giving a quarter. And, um, you know, these are such important programs that are being funded through this. You know, our homeless shelter, children's education, feeding programs. You know, this is the way that we keep all of our services running and we really have to have to fund them. So we have a, a homeless shelter that's open 365 days a year. Um, we do, you know, food assistance for families who are hungry. We have utility assistance. We have, you know, children's literacy programs and, and arts education and sports education. Uh, we do, you know, homeless outreach. We go out and feed in the parks, do water, you know, when it's 100 degrees outside. Um, we there's just so much. Uh, and we're also a functioning church. We have senior ministries where we bring in, you know, seniors and teach them computer literacy and also just have fun, you know, bingo and, and stuff. But a safe place for people to go and for kids to not be out, you know, alone, unsupervised. And, and, and all of that runs, you know, through these kettles and through our fundraising efforts. You said that uh, a lot of people aren't carrying cash anymore. Mm -hmm. Is there any way to donate digitally? Absolutely. So our um, kettles all have Apple Pay and Google Pay stickers on them. And um, you can also make donations through our website. And so the stickers, you just scan them? or Yeah, if you have Apple Pay or Google Pay en- enabled on your phone, there's just a QR code on the kettle that you can scan, and it'll you know guide you through the process to donate directly through your phone. I can tell you that the, the red kettles were originally started in late 1800s. Oh, so okay. that's, you know, it's been established for a long time. And it was started um, by an officer in San Francisco who wanted to provide Christmas dinner for the poor people. And he remembered being in the Navy and the, like, the Navy officers would just put out a pot for people to put money in. And so he just started doing that for the Salvation Army instead of the, you know, Army Army. And uh, and here we are, 100 years later, still doing it. (laughs) Michelle Hartfield is the Director of Public Relations for the Salvation Army in Jackson. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.